Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, uh, this is Dave Cruz of Flyber Labs, and today we are lucky enough to have Sid Gorham with us. And Sid is the president and CEO of Granular. And Granular is focused on making farms more efficient, more efficient by leveraging data intelligently to help farmers make better decisions about their farming operations and crops. So it's it's quite fascinating. So I invited Sid on the show to tell us more about his background and exactly what they're doing at Granular. And of course, Flyover Labs is based in Madison, Wisconsin. So we're in, kind of in the middle of farm country here. So I'm excited to learn more. So Sid, thanks for joining us today. No problem, Dave. Glad to be here. So, yeah, let's start off by uh, learning a little bit more about your background. Can you tell us um, your background and how you eventually got to Granular? Yeah, so um, I grew up on the East Coast, so not uh, not in farming country. <laughs> and I, I moved to uh, San Francisco in the mid-90s to come to, uh, to uh, did a business school here. And I got, uh, that was right when all the internet and uh, technology stuff uh, was, was really getting started. And so I... Um, uh, you know, got swept up in that and, and was involved in a bunch of early stage uh, internet startups um, and have stayed out here since. Um, a couple of the companies I've been involved with, one was um, Open Table, which is a, um, you may know, which is an oh, yeah. uh, online reservation platform for restaurants. Um, and then another one was a company called Telefia that helped you. Um, Companies like Verizon and AT&T and Sprint use data to understand their customers better and be um, more effective marketers. So um, I've done different software companies in different industries um, and was attracted to uh, to Granular and, and the Granular opportunity um, when I met my co-founder, um, uh, who's a guy named Mike Priner, who um, he grew up in Minnesota on a farm, and uh, he and I um, uh um, looked into the state of technology in, in farming and concluded that it was a, a big opportunity to, to um, build an important company and to uh, help a, uh, an industry that's super important to the world. So it was um, just a really brief how did I get here uh, story. <laughs> I like it. Now, that makes sense. And so in your past, what were some of your roles like at Open Table? What, uh, what did you get involved with? Yeah, so I was there. I was um, chief operating officer, and I ran sales and marketing and a number oh, wow. of other functions um, in the early ages, days of the company. So I was kind of out on the front lines, pitching restaurants and pitching oh. um, partners to to work with us, um, which is fascinating. You know, there are actually a bunch of parallels. Restaurant owners are um, really um, strong business people who you know run complicated businesses um based on intuition and um you know a lot of gut feel and experience um and farmers are actually pretty similar where they're they um are, are very good business people and very smart um uh, managers but um aren't fully making use of um information technology to help them uh, make decisions and and kind of control some of the chaos that's in their business so kind of in both cases, I felt like the table brought um, some structure and organization and, and leverage to uh, to the you know restaurant owner and and you know in some ways we're doing the same thing for farms. Hmm. That's an interesting person. I like that. I wouldn't thought about thought about that, but yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and and can you tell tell us a little more about Granler, what you, what you guys do, and 
maybe some overall stats. I know you have like the who is who of who is uh for investors, <laughs> but uh right um yeah right. just give a little overview. Well, yeah, maybe I'll start with the the industry because um not not everybody you might know this because you're in Wisconsin, but so farms in America are almost all family owned businesses. Um, and what is happening now and has been happening for generations is that some some families are able to attract their kids back to the farm to take over the business and some are not, right? Um, and so what's happening is um, in cases where they're, where the kids don't want to come back to the farm, the um, the parents, when they retire, will sell the land or more, more often will just lease the land to other farms that want to operate it. So you have a situation where it's you know still a very family-owned industry, but what's happening? Some family farms are getting bigger, and some are um, retiring uh, and leasing out their land. So that trend, like I say, has been going on forever. It used to be that like two-thirds of the country was farmers, and now three percent of the country is farmers. Um, but um, what's happening as farms, as these the ones that are getting bigger, they end up with like really much more complicated businesses because they're spread out over, you know, in some cases, 200 square miles or over multiple states. And they've got, um, you know, teams running all over the place in very expensive equipment, um, trying to get their work done efficiently. And then they've just got a lot of money at stake because um, farming is a pretty risky business where there's a lot of exposure to the um, to weather and to the markets and to, you know, diseases and all kinds of other things. Um, and so uh, as these farms kind of get bigger and bigger, they have what I would describe as more enterprise-level needs, right, and less, like, small business needs. Like, they, they really need to um, have a budget and a plan that they can share with their banker, and they really need to have control over um you know, where's all the labor going? Where's all the inventory going? Do I know um, where all the where all the money is flowing? Um, and so they they just generally have a bigger uh, process in data management and and people management challenge that a small farm would have. And so what Grainler is trying to do is give them uh, software that allows them to run the business uh, more efficiently and easier every day, and also collect the data they need to. Um, to analyze the business and make decisions about it. Gotcha. So, that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it's almost like a, I guess, an ERP system for farmers. Would that be a totally? Fair? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It would. I mean, I think um, we um, that is the most accurate way to describe what we're doing. We we tend not to um, immediately go there ourselves because you know, like ERP systems, like um, yeah, what's that? SAP <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. A lot of people hate them. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. But, uh, but so we're trying to make uh, ERP software for farms that people actually want to use, <clears throat> and and it's really um, a, a primarily used on their mobile phone. Um, I guess that's another big difference. Like, um, you know, farms aren't in front of their computers all day. Farmers aren't in front of their computers all day. So we're we're really trying to help them use. Um, everyone's got a smartphone in their pocket, and we're trying to really help them use that as a business tool um, that can make their lives easier. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, when so when when did you uh, start Granular? And uh, um, yeah, and how how much money have you raised? And how many employees do you have uh, now? Yeah, so we're um, 
I guess about two and a half years into it. So we started in uh, uh, early 2014, January 2014, and um, um, so we've you know been been around for about two and a half years and really only been selling the product for the last year or so. Um, okay. The early day early days were kind of um, we we recruited this group of farmers who were um, super excited about what we were our mission and, and where we were headed and they were really generous with their time and feedback and, and they helped us architect the product and figure out what it had to do. Um, so kind of for, we've been around for two and a half years. The first half of that was um, heavy, heavy product development and beta testing. And then in the past year or so, we've you know started to market the product uh, more broadly. Um, and then on the money raising side, we've raised about $25 million to date. Um, and, um, you know, really that's been from, um, not really investors from inside farming, but people from, you know, venture capital firms with no, uh, you know, no specific interest in farming, but who recognize that, um, this is a huge industry in the U S and globally. And, um, there's no kind of incumbent, um, independent software provider to the industry. So this same thing that granular is doing has happened in many, many other industries where people build these vertical specific companies that get really good at supporting the needs of a specific industry um, with, with their software product. And so that um, that's the thesis that all our investors have gotten behind. That makes sense. And did, did you have relationships with some of these VCs? And I mean, at least, especially in in the Midwest, Madison, that's a it's a good chunk of money to raise in two years. I know it's a little di- different out in the in the valley, but um, did you know some of these investors uh, from prior companies? Yeah, before? yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that helped. I mean, I've, I've been in venture capital funded companies my whole career, so I, I had yep. um, pitched. You know, I didn't have close relationships with any of Granular's current investors, but I had done it before and know. Um, know how to talk to those folks and know how to um, uh, get them on board with a, with a, um, a vision and, and you know, set the right expectations. Yeah, um, makes sense. And and so could you kind of paint a picture of, you know, you talked about some of these larger farms spread out and how they were managing, you know, maybe give an example around inventory or their financials or something and how they were doing it um, before – you know, before yeah. Grandler came along. Sure. sure. So, um, really, so we serve what I would say, describe as kind of medium to large farms. So our, we might have a farm that's 3,000 acres or we might have one that's 30,000 acres. Um, but the common denominator is that they're, um, professional and ambitious and, and, um, understand that, um, they're, they're to, to continually improve their business and to get, bigger and more profitable they need to um to understand what's going on and and constantly um get better right um and so um you can think about it in two chunks like um improving what what would usually happen in the office and improving what would happen in the field so in the office it's actually um pretty straightforward we're replacing microsoft excel typically um so farmers have built big spreadsheets to um, understand um, their budget and how much, how many inputs they need and what they intend to pay for them and um, 
you know, they have used Excel to give projections to their bank, and they've um, used Excel to track how much grain they have on hand and contracts they're entering into to to sell that grain or to hedge their price risk. So farmers really farming in the United States today basically runs in Excel um, in the office. Um, and so what we're doing, and, and that's just like super time consuming and error, error oh, yeah. prone. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, probably it's Excel's biggest downfall in this context is that it's a one person tool. Like if you've ever tried to share an Excel workbook with five people, you know, that like quickly turns into a mess. Um, and, and farms, like they, they want to be able to operate as a team and say, okay, you know, Bob, you're the expert on, you know, what we should plant on what field. Why don't you decide that? And Susie, you're in charge of ordering the inputs and making sure we get a good deal from the vendors. Why don't you do that? And Frank, you're in charge of the landlords and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, you can't do that in Excel because it's, um, just not a collaborative tool. And so granular, um, what we did was take, you know, roughly that same workflow and put it into a, a web application that is um, multi-user with um, permissions and different levels of access to information so that you can you can have different people interacting with the software and doing their piece and everyone can still see the whole picture. Um, so, uh, you know, on the one hand, competing with Excel um, is easy because it's not a great tool for this this type of work. On the other hand, it's free and people have been using it forever. So it, it definitely, um, you know, takes some doing sometimes to convince people that it's worth spending real money on on um, on something that they're kind of doing for free today. Yeah. Um, but, but 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 most of the guys see that pretty quickly and and are already kind of pulling their hair out <laughs> trying to um, keep things up to date themselves. Well, definitely, especially um, especially if they're looking to expand a bit. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Totally, Sorry. yeah. I mean, what what happens is you get it dialed in for your your size and configuration of your business at, in any one year, and then as soon as you change something, like if you go from three to nine thousand acres, um, all of a sudden everything breaks and you make a bunch of mistakes and have to rebuild the whole thing. So I think guys have gone through a couple of those. Are like, oh my god, this is <laughs> holding me back, right? Um, so that's in the office. And then in the field, um, the workflow really um, kind of runs through two-way radios. Um, so everyone uh, who's out in the field is sitting on the same uh, radio channel. And, you know, they're collaborating that way. Like, hey, I'm doing this, and when I'm, I'm almost finished, so when I'm done, you know, it's your turn to come to the field and, you know, do this other uh, operation or... I'm out here and I need somebody to deliver me um, this, you know, uh, whatever. I need more seed to plant the next field or I am harvesting and I need a truck to come pick up the um, grain or whatever. There's, you know, this is um, complex logistical work that's happening over, you know, large distances with, um, you know, sometimes lots and lots of people. Um, and the radio is totally helpful in doing that, right? Because everyone can hear everyone and that's great. But um, what Grain Miller does is uh, is give everyone a, an application that runs on their phone that allows them to see, okay, here's the work that needs to be done today. Here are the um, supplies. We need yeah. to do that work. Here's the team that's working today. And, and like, just basically use it as a um, 
shared to-do list and uh, and a way to know what every single person is doing and um and um and the dependencies right so um that that's a big part of uh of what we're doing as well is is giving them a a mobile tool that that they can use out in the field interesting and and do you you know you talked about how sometimes it's a little tough to uh convince a farmer to um you know try your software when it's excel spreadsheet or excel when it's pretty cheap and but i bet the case studies probably help sell a little bit do, do you have a an example of and 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 maybe it's hard to put like an exact roi number but like a good a good case study where some some farmer benefited from using granular yeah so we um what we tend to do is is say okay the you know the software um you know, it might cost, you know, fifteen thousand um, dollars a year, right? And so what we do is we go through, you know, six, eight, ten examples of ways in which you could imagine making a decision or avoiding a mistake that would pay back that fifteen thousand dollars quickly. And so there's a whole set of those that, you know, can be um you know, really tangible, like um make sure you're getting everything you pay for from your suppliers and that there are no billing mistakes, um, which happen all the time, um, or make sure you're getting paid for every load of grain that you deliver to a customer and there are no billing mistakes there, which happen all the time. Mm-hmm. So those are like su- super easy if we say, um, hey, you're running this big complicated operation, you're not really keeping track of, you know, you're buying millions of dollars worth of stuff and you're selling millions of dollars worth of stuff, and you got trucks running all over the place, and truthfully, you really don't know that you know that that uh, everything's going where it's supposed to go, and that you know you're getting charged correctly. So people believe that very easily, oh, yeah. um, um, and and that really kind of speaks to the the guys who are um, more control oriented, like hey, I really want to be in control, and I don't want to get ripped off, and that kind of thing. Um, I think where the real ROI comes in is like think about um, how much better your decision-making would be, um, you know, when you sit down to decide what crop you're going to grow on what field. Um, that's a really complicated set of variables, like um, you know, what do you expect the prices to be, what do you expect the cost to be, what do you think the yield potential is, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think the, the people who adopt granular most readily are, are buying it to be better leaders and decision makers in their business um and so that type of um that's that's like a different angle than the control uh make sure you don't get ripped off one um but it's um it's a really powerful one too yeah helping well in some ways manage risk and stuff and uh yep so it, i i was curious what type of data do you bring into your platform do you bring in or wow how, or what other data do you connect with whether it's like commodity data um, or any other data sets, or do you allow for e-commerce on that platform? Yeah. Um, so there's a mix of like human entered data. So, you know, you enter your budget, for instance, and you, um, you know, keep track of, uh, you know, deliveries of supplies and stuff like that. Um, so there's a, a good amount of data that comes into the system that's just entered by everybody on the team as they go through their um, daily work. Um, and again, this is all typically via their mobile phone. So like, 
you're standing at the warehouse and the supplier comes in with a um, delivery, you quickly log. Hey, I, you know, we, we took, took delivery of you know, whatever, 10 pallets of seed or whatever it is. Um, so that, you know, there are lots of examples like that where people all over the organization are basically um, logging and recording their work as they go through their day, and that, that's a big source. But then, as you point out, there are also a bunch of, um, you know, uh, automatic data inputs. So we take in um, the weather, both the um, forecasted weather and the historical weather. We take in commodities prices from the Chicago Board of um, Exchange. We take in uh, data from various pieces of equipment on the farm. So um, most of the modern um, uh Farm equipment today uh, logs what it does automatically. So if you're driving a John Deere planter across a field, um, it's keeping track of, you know, exactly how much time it's spent in that field and um, how many, you know, how many seeds it planted on that field and how much fuel it burned and all that kind of stuff. So we get that kind of data back. Um, and you know, there's there's a long list after that, like things like irrigation equipment. A lot of the that um, Equipment has the ability to uh, record how much water it's putting down, um, or uh, a lot of scales on the farm also are connected to the web. I mean, I, more and more, almost everything on the farm is uh, is uh, going to be connected to the internet um, over time, and so we really want to be the um, you know the central system to which all that stuff connects. Wow, yeah, that's impressive. I didn't know you'd be connected to that many data sources by now. That's uh... Yep. You guys have been busy <laughs> yeah, developing yeah. all that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. And that's sort of like another thing that farmers buy for is they're like, holy shit, I'm like drowning in data and I yeah. don't know what to do with it. Um, and so us coming in and saying, look, this, this one system that you can, you know, store it all in and, and connect it uh, together in some logical way. Well, and, and if they put it in harvest and then, I mean, eventually you can take the inputs like the, the weather and the seeding and, fertilizer and see what the outputs are and then it could get, start getting really smart and really helping farmers yeah. on another whole level. Yep. 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 Interesting. Um, and what type of farms do you sell to? Is it any, any farm that has crops, um, whether it's a, you know, dairy or, um, beef or. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we don't do, um, we, we do work with a lot of dairies that have, um, uh, cropland, you know, that they're growing the food for the cows on. Um, we don't do anything specifically with the dairy. Like, we're not analyzing the profitability per cow or anything like that. Um, but, but, yeah, so we're predominantly around crops. Um, we started we started in the Midwest with corn and soybeans, which is kind of the, the two biggest crops in America. Um, and then we spread out over time to do... Um, rice and cotton and wheat and barley and all kinds of things. And, and more recently we've expanded to do, um, almonds and pecans and walnuts and stuff like that. So, um, we really work, I guess the, the type of farms we, we wouldn't serve or, or at least not immediately are things like lettuce and strawberries and things like that that are super manual labor driven. Um, we, we need to add some stuff to the product to be, um, really effective at tracking kind of hundreds of people flowing through the operation doing manual labor that that what you know that, that's very different than a corn farm where you might have 15 guys on a huge farm hmm. and, 
I know you guys. I, I noticed on your website. I think you had a couple people kind of under the international area. Are are you selling internationally right now? We're not. Well, well, if you count Canada, yes, but oh. other, other <laughs> than Canada, no. Kind um, of. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a super interesting opportunity for us because there are there are farms in Brazil and Russia and Australia and Argentina and South Africa and some other places that are super big and really professionally managed. So we we want to. Um, it after that, but are kind of doing it once at a time. Yeah, well, there's, it seems like there's so much opportunity just in the United States, and there's a few farms here, right. so you probably, yep. probably keep you busy for a little while. Um, yep. And where? And so, where do you want to take a granular's platform? I, I I envision some uh, guys sitting on the computer, and they'll be you'll be telling robots what to do, and you'll have all the inputs and outputs, and maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's way down the road, and maybe that's not what farmers want to hear. But <laughs> um, yeah, what's 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 your vision for the next five years? Let's say. Yeah, I mean, I think we want to. Um, our our first goal was to help make sure that all the data on the farm was being captured in a digital format where it was useful. And so, we've a lot of our early product development has been around relatively tactical, mundane stuff like. Um, tracking inventory um and now we're kind of turning the corner to do more decision support and more analytics that helps farmers you know we don't want to we don't want the software to make decisions for people that's not not where we're headed but we want the software to guide people to the best decisions possible by giving them the right data and allowing them to look at scenarios and allowing them to look at probabilities and like i said at the beginning farmers farmers are good business people but they um they're highly driven by their own experience and intuition as opposed to um, probability and data. Um, and so we want to help, you know, guide them in, in, you know, in that direction. And I think there's um, a lot of opportunity there, um, both by helping farms use their own individual data, but also by looking across all granular customers and saying, hey, um, this practice is more profitable than that practice or this product is more effective than that product or, um, you know, um, this way of selling your grain has a higher payback than this other way. So we think um, farming's somewhat unique in the sense that, you know, farmers are competitive, but they're not, um, they're open to benchmarking and comparisons um, in a way that some other industries wouldn't, wouldn't be open to. Yes, and that that's a good segue into my next question around benchmarking and uh, and and so, yeah, that you kind of brought up my question exactly is, you know, is this are, are most farmers open to, you know, sharing their data maybe anonymously, but uh, sharing their data um, with other farmers and uh, you know what type of um, indicators are you uh, benchmarking and sharing with farmers? Yeah. So farmers are, if you and I were farmers who were right next to each other, we would um, we'd be pretty competitive. I mean, it might be friendly at the coffee shop, but like you know, we'd be competitive because I would want you to, I'd want your land, right? I would, <laughs> I would want to expand um, in a way that was as adjacent as possible to the land I currently operated. Um, but if you and I, if you were in Wisconsin and I was in Iowa, or even if we were in opposite corners of Wisconsin, um, we really wouldn't be super competitive. Um, and because, you know, like if you make, if you produce a lot of corn 
you're not going to move the global price of corn. <laughs> right, right. It's such a such a deep commodity market that it, it's not really no individual actor has the ability to to change the market. And so, um, yeah, farms by and large are are pretty open to benchmarking, and and particularly this this class of you know medium and big farms that um, that really wants to compare themselves to other like-minded people, like and like-sized people. So they're they're pretty pretty open to it and really encouraging us to go fast in that direction. Um, some, some of the really basic early uh, examples of some of this are, you know, when you go into the software, you are, um, you're budgeting and planning for what you're going to buy. And so that involves saying, I'm going to buy XYZ seed from this vendor at this price. Um, and so we see that across all our farms. And it's an opportunity for us to provide data that says, oh, okay, um, everybody else is buying that, or like your price compares, you're in the 80th percentile of um, all farms who are buying that same product. So you're you're paying more than the average farm. Um, that's something that you might be able to haggle a better deal on. Interesting. And so that's super easy from the software perspective um, and, and totally non-threatening to the farmer, right? Like it's like any anything they can do to uh, to gang up on Montana or Syngenta or whomever it is, um, it's all good, right? They don't. <laughs> it's not a competitive thing at all, um, and so they're really totally open to doing that. Um, it's not individually identifiable, so it doesn't say farmers is paying this, but it does. You know, it says farmers in Iowa are paying this, or farmers in the Central Corn Belt are paying this, or whatever it is. Um, and so that's that's like a really early um, slam dunk opportunity for us, and we did it for the first time last year, and and uh, it was super super exciting for people. Huh. Yeah, that's I mean it's a great idea. All, all, you'd think all all farmers would benefit from doing that. I mean that alone could uh, justify the cost. Wait, well, there's many, yeah. many ways yeah. to justify the cost of the product, but totally. um, so yep. we're, so we're almost uh, out of time here, unfortunately. And I, I was curious, you know, what what's been some of the maybe one or maybe multiple some of the hardest things you've had to face uh, starting granular. Um, yeah. Since yeah. I mean, I, I think um, you know we're a small company. We're about fifty people, and um, we need a mix of talent that is, um, you know, what Silicon Valley is really good at, and then people from within agriculture and and like getting that balance right and getting the right people in both uh, from both pools has been tricky um, because you want to have enough, enough farming expertise and industry inside knowledge that you're not making a bunch of stupid mistakes and learning everything all over again. But you also, um, there's, there's a reason this hasn't happened already and it's that people within the industry, um, didn't have the vision or the technology or the you know talent to get it done. And so we, we don't want to be too many farming people. Um, and so getting that balance right is tricky. And, and particularly because all the sort of um, Silicon Valley people tend to be based in our San Francisco office and all the farming people tend to be um, in our Champaign-Urbana office or working remotely from their homes. And so culturally that's, um, you know, not, not, it's super easy configuration where you have um, two different pools of talents, one of whom is remote from the other. You know, so um, 
that's that's been something I've been really focused on as far as building the team's culture and and you know both both sets of people being able to learn from each other really quickly. Huh. Um, so that's been a challenge. And then let's see on the sales side, one of the one of the things that um, you know I think when we went into it, we said okay, we're, we know this is a new new um, thing for farms to be investing in. Right? They, they they're not anti-technology. They buy you know. $500,000 satellite guided tractors or they buy really um, advanced uh, biotech seeds and stuff like that. So the farmers are in no way afraid of technology or skeptical of technology, but they haven't really viewed software as a you know class of technology to invest in historically. So we knew that would be a challenge. I think one of the um, uh, additional challenges we've run into is just that but what happens when you try to sell into a family business um, where there might not be really clear decision-making structure in place, right? If it's two brothers and a cousin and a sister-in-law and, you know, um, and they're the management team, sometimes um, we run into situations where it's just not clear to anybody who gets to make the decision about granular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it takes, takes a little bit of uh, wrangling sometimes to, um, to show, you know, to, to guide the sales prospect through some process where they, you know, either buy or don't buy, but but make a make a decision in, in a timely manner. Yeah, I guess so you have, top, of, top of mind. That's one of the big big challenges we run into. No, that makes sense. You you have different layers of management. It's just a little different than what you you have more like potential relatives as the different layers of management you have to work through to get a sale instead of a the different levels at a large company. <laughs> Right. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's the same thing, but in some ways it isn't. Because, yeah. like, at a big company, it's like there's a VP of finance, and there's a VP of operations, there's a VP of technology, and they they are what their title says they are. Yeah. Um. But but in a family, it's sometimes hard to like know whether like does dad have a vote or right. dad retired or what's going on. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. <laughs> yes, that is a yeah. And every and every place is gonna be different. It's not like you can learn one from the next. <laughs> well, that's the last yeah, one. Dad yeah. was. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh man, I mean that's why I like farms because yeah, I like the the family owned aspect. It's it must be a, a nice and uh, often a nice environment working in that type of space. Yeah, I mean I think it's been um, uh, it's been you know some, uh, at times frustrating to sell into this yeah. industry, but once once we get them as customers, they are. Um, just really um, wonderful people to work with. Very um, um, generous with their time and really appreciative of what we're building. And um, you know, um, just super nice people to work with. So it's been a yeah. At least having only been in farming for two and a half years, it's been a wonderful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful uh, industry to be part of. And and you know, certainly compared to restaurants or telecommunications or other industries I've been in, uh, just way way nicer people. Oh, nice, nice. Well, that's the Midwest. You'll have to if you ever stop by Madison, you can, uh, you can make sure you look me up. But, uh, right. No, but, I'd be glad to. Um, but no, I, I think unfortunately, I, th I think that does it for us. So, uh, Sid, I really appreciate you coming on. That, like, like I said, we're in farm country, so it's we don't we don't uh, we don't talk a lot about farming. So it's when we do, it's really interesting to hear kind of what's the cutting edge and uh, where things are headed. So, really appreciate right. you telling your story. Yeah, cool. Well, it was really nice talking to you, and, and let's stay in touch. We'll let you know how the story unfolds. <laughs> that sounds great. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flower Labs. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll, we'll see you next time.
Bye.